Common sense is not so common. And in an era where global uncertainty is rampant and government is out of control, this is the show making sense of all the madness. Broadcasting live from the Arizona desert, you can't dodge the Hodge. Here's your host, Dave Hodges. Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here in the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us. As you know, we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time, but we need your help in unenslaving all the sheep, all the people brainwashed by mainstream media. So please, spread these broadcasts and other sites that you visit as well, because we got a lot of work to do if we're going to preserve our liberties. Wow, where do we start today? Well, we've got a great guest and we're going to go to him in just a minute, but uh, we're going to be talking about when the bad guys take over, how you should respond. Unless, of course, you like being a martyr and want to be put to death and tortured and have your family suffer the same fate, you're going to want to listen to this show. But before we go to our guest to discuss these topics, and his name is Stefan Verstappen, you go, oh yeah, I remember that guy. So yeah, we're going to have a good interview here. So stay tuned, but let me first tell you, we are really worried about the food supply for all the reasons we've said before food chains breaking down bad farmland because of severe weather it's happened the last few years and then the packing plants uh, were shut down intentionally of course and that's created problems and we're eating this year's harvest we can help you with storable food and right now you can store it at an enormously fast rate because they've taken the four-week package at MPS and knocked off $100 which is an incredible savings. And if you buy this in mass, for every four weeks you buy, you get $100 off. It's a great, great deal to accumulate food at an inexpensive price. And it's the same restaurant quality, 25-year shelf life. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And in case you haven't heard, with all the purging, all the censorship, demonetization, all that nonsense, we have started a TV channel. It's two months old, and we are kicking butt and we get great in-depth interviews and it's very very inexpensive it's less than the cost of a cup of coffee per month at two dollars and fifty cents that's right two dollars and fifty cents on the annual plan and uh you're gonna really like it the reviews are incredible and a lot of people are flocking to me because they want to be on the tv more so than the radio but we do get good guests on the radio too make no mistake about it and i think our radio position is largely secure but you notice the question in my voice? We own the TV platform. So go to thecommonsenseshow.tv, thecommonsenseshow.tv. And one more thing, if you have food, you better have water. We have the best water filtration system. I want you to check it out, waterwithdave.com. They are number one with a 40% savings. Check out the data that's on the site, waterwithdave.com. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping business. We've got a clear shot to the end of the hour. And we have, as I said, Stefan Verstappen, and we're going to have him introduce himself, tell a little bit about his background, because it's been a while since he's been on, and some of you may not have heard him yet. Stefan, welcome to the show, and let's start there. Let's start with a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you live now, and so forth. Uh, hi, Dave. Thanks for having me back on again. Always a pleasure. Our, to our pleasure, too. Yeah, um, well... Um... I am a, what you would call, I guess, you know, I, a renaissance man. 
Um, I live in Toronto, Canada right now, or outside of Toronto. I'm moving next week even further out into the country, so I'm out well out of the city. Uh, I'm getting ready for the winter. You know, I, I, I'm, I've, I'm teaming up with another guy. He's got a nice farmhouse. We've got lots of supplies. Uh, we've got well water and um, lots of firearms, lots of food. So um, I'm getting as far away from the cities as I can for the winter. Mm-hmm. I, I used to live all throughout the United States, mostly in California. I lived in California for 12 years. I traveled and worked all over, over the U.S. I spent four years living in China um, studying martial arts. I had some of the greatest kung fu teachers in China, and I was privileged to study with them. And since returning to North America, I have continued to teach martial arts and mentor men, you know, because uh, one of the things that um, modern society has really neglected is the the raising and mentoring of young boys into men. As you know, Dave, you're a coach. You know how important it is that that boys, and I'm, when I say boys, I'm talking guys in their mid-20s, you know. Yeah, um, yep, I know. But they're still kids. They they don't know anything. I, I you know I was mentoring a boy uh, a boy, I was mentoring a young man. He was the father of a 12 year old girl. He was 28 years old, and I told him I said, well you know we got to go for a bicycle ride. You know I don't do anything sitting in the house. It's always got to be outside, right? And he he said, oh I got a bicycle. He brings the bike over. It's got two flat tires, and he says I think there's something wrong with the bike. <laughs> so I handed him a bicycle pump, and he said, what's this? Mm-hmm. You know, Dave. So you know, I've 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 mentored young men and uh, I've trained them, um, because I didn't have that when I was growing up. So I had to learn it all for myself. And now I'm you know kind of spreading the wisdom that I've acquired over 63 years. Um, I'm also uh, I'm 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 recognized by the Canadian Arts Council as both a literary and a visual artist. I've done art installations in California and in uh, here in Toronto and. and, and all over the country. Uh, I've written eight books. My first book is The 36 Strategies of Ancient China, which is where I get a lot of my tactical and strategic understanding of things. And that book, by the way, is on the required reading list in Annapolis Naval Academy and West Point. I was very honored. I, I, I did a Google search about 10 years ago and I went, what? Annapolis Naval Academy. That's awesome. That's awesome that they should think my book is something their students should have, should read to get a better understanding of strategy and tactics. And I hope to share some of those strategies and tactics with your listeners today because in this war that we are in, and as you know, your listeners know, and certainly Dave knows, uh, we are at war. And here's the thing though uh, we've lost the war. I don't think we're going to win this. Whether Trump gets in or not, um, I don't think it's going to make a big yeah, difference. Still an open question. You're exactly right. Yeah. I, you know, I, listen, I want to be hopeful. I do. But I also have a video out called The Danger of False Hope. And the danger of false hope works like this. You are given things to assuage your fear you're given these ideas by the government and by the deep state that wants you not they want you afraid but they want don't want you so afraid that you're going to fight so what they'll say is um you know I, I dave i'm not sure how you stand on this subject but i personally i think the whole QAnon uh thing is just a false hope you well, know, it's, it's I, artificial intelligence it's it's uh, directed 
misinformation to make you and I relax where we think someone is actually doing something when they're not. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dave. I'm glad we're on the same page with that because I, did, I didn't believe it from the very beginning. You know, the, the whole story, oh, there's good guys in the government. Hello, have you seen government? <laughs> I know, I know. Do you think there's good guys running around there? If there was a good guy in government, he would be, it would be like that movie, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, everybody in government would suddenly stop and point their finger at the one person that has a morality and virtue, and they would all start screaming at him, you know. No, there's no good guys in government. So false hope is that, and that's why I'm worried about people getting false hope in something like a QAnon and the false hope that, you know, look, I like I like uh, uh, Trump. I mean, he's charming, you know, but a lot of psychopaths are charming. I tend to like a lot of psychopaths because they really know how to charm you. They're good at it. They practice at it. They're very uh, likable in many ways. That's why so many people end up marrying a psychopath, and you out there know who I'm talking about, right? Um, but... I don't trust him. I, I don't think he can do anything. Even if he was, let's say, exactly what he is on the face value, what can he do? He is dealing with an entire system of corruption. And even if him and Pence and maybe a few other members of the cabinet um, are virtuous, moral people doing their best to try and save America, what can they do? Come on. You know, they, uh, come on, man. <laughs> what can they do? Yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, they're not going to. We are up against something so huge. And who was it that said that? Uh, we are up against an invisible power so pervasive, so huge. You know, no, none dare speak their name. Was that? Um, that was John Kennedy. Was that John Kennedy? In his media speech, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what we're up against. Something so big, so huge, so interpenetrated with all facets of government and civilization that no, 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 no. We're not going to win this. So now. Here's the thing, you know, Sun Tzu in his book, The Art of War, says, a good general does not fight a battle he has not already won. We have not won this battle, so there is no fighting. There is no fighting against this. And um, I'm a uh, firearms owner. I'm licensed, and it's very difficult to get a license here in Canada. You basically have to be um, St. John the Baptist to get a license <laughs> in Canada. But... Uh, you know, and uh, I support firearms owner owners, but for me, the firearms are meant mostly for hunting. If and we know the food is going to be a problem. Dave has been warning you guys out there for for months, if not years, now that the, the, the food supply is broken. We are facing mass starvation in the next year. Absolutely. So the firearm for me is to do a little bit of hunting. I don't expect to hunt anything too big but probably you know raccoons porcupines and and squirrels but listen um that'll keep you alive secondary purpose for those firearms would be to uh protect against looters and uh, but for those of us out there you know and i support the militias good for you um, but if you think you're going to fight against this government with your ar-15 forget about it they're going to wipe you out so there's no fighting back against this so now what's left to us well, the tactics you have to adopt when you are outnumbered and outgunned by the enemy are guerrilla tactics. And I've been putting putting together a few short videos on different guerrilla tactics that we can all use um, to uh, survive what's coming. But we are now 
we are the underground. We are the resistance, you know, from the Terminator movies. Uh, we are the rebels from Star Wars movies. You know, we are up against the, the evil empires coming for us. And so um, we have to take on a subversive attitude, one of deception and cunning and quiet. And um, that's what we have left to us. Now, the reason for this is in my study of history and uh, also my study of psychopaths, um, and I've got that, you know, I made the documentary video, I guess it was over 10 years ago now, Defense Against the Psychopath, and it's still, you know, doing great. It's uh, really a, a crash course on understanding the mentality of the lunatics we are dealing with. But my understanding of psychopaths and history is that they eventually destroy each other. I've never come across a case where a rebel movement overthrew the king or the or the shogun or the the emperor and restored government. No, what I've seen is the shogun, the emperor, the king, um, they are killed by their own family. <laughs> you know, uh, psychopaths, like once we get close to this one world government and, and we're just about ready to elect the king of the world or the mosiac or whatever title they want to bestow on this, uh, whatever psychopath is in charge. There'll be a dozen psychopaths all around him plotting to poison him and stab him in the back and steal his power. And usually it devolves down into like, a, they just, they rip each other apart. But they will always gang up and unite until they get that power. And then once they have that power, then the inter internecine uh, battles begin. So our job, your listeners and, and, and myself and, and anybody else that, you know, believes in morality, believes in, in, in uh, the old America that we used to know, um, your job is to stay alive. You've got to hang on long enough to watch these people tear each other apart and tear the whole system down. They'll, they'll tear it down around their ears. They, you see, they don't care about anything. So even if they hurt themselves, because look at what they're doing now. What is the point in destroying the economy uh, with this uh, <clears throat> supposed pandemic? How was that benefit? It doesn't. Why wouldn't you want a strong, healthy economy with a happy population that are working and enjoying their life? Why wouldn't you want that? That's a win-win for everybody. But psychopaths don't think like that. They will take everything down with them. So our job, Dave, is to, to survive long enough. Well, I think that employs, or excuse me, implies employing the strategy, often called the gray man strategy. I called it incognito the other day when I wrote a brief article on it, but I didn't go into depth, which is why you're here. So if the poop starts hitting the fan, do you agree with me? Discretion is the better part of valor. Oh, absolutely. You have to basically disappear. You become a ghost. I call it the uh, the ghost warrior. You know, you, you you're fighting, but nobody ever sees you. Uh, you're Kaiser Sose. <laughs> you yeah, know? I hear you. You know, if uh, and then listen, there's probably 10 million of us, right? That that haven't been indoctrinated by the leftist, Marxist, socialist uh, uh, mind control, and that want to have a happy, healthy wholesome life there's probably about 10 millions of us 10 million of us 
Now, if all 10 million of us were Kaiser Sosa, um, the opposition would be trembling in their boots. So we have to, yeah, we have to disappear. We have to go ghost. And there's a number of tactics for that. Now, you brought up the gray man strategy, which is an excellent strategy. Do you, do you want to go over quickly? Yeah, let's go I? over. Sure, we got time. Okay, so the gray man strategy actually originated from the prison system. It's what is your recommended strategy if you are arrested and sent to prison because you don't want to be, uh, you know, stand out in the prison system where there's lots of people looking to abuse you and take advantage of you. And the gray man strategy is to attract as little attention to yourself as possible. So you don't speak. You don't say much. You're not overly friendly. You don't approach people. Um, you'll be dressed in prison garb, but even still, you know, um, there's nothing about you that looks attractive. You don't wear a watch or you don't have a cell phone in your hand or something like that. Um, and the idea is to just sort of uh, be unnoticeable. Now, in my studies, I read about a lot of prison escapes and, you know, when they were successful. How did people escape prison, you know? And there's been some very famous cases throughout history of people that did escape prison. But the key factor in escaping prison is you have to be unnoticeable first. You have to play the gray man so that when they start the phony riot or, or the, the distraction fight where all the prison guards are momentarily distracted so that you can, you know, sneak through the bars or through the vent or whatever. Uh, but the key is that you are so unnoticeable that after the little fight is over or the distraction is over, they don't notice that you're gone for a couple of hours because they never remembered you in the first place. So that's the gray man strategy, and you should apply that in society as well. But I would, yeah, Dave, go ahead. No, I'm going to just square my throat. Sorry. Oh, um, jump in anytime because you know me. I tend to hop. Oh, you're doing great. <laughs> so, but for me, there's another level to the gray man, and it's in my book, The Art of Urban Survival. Um, and it's called the uh, the chameleon strategy. Now, the chameleon, and I, I mentioned this in, I, I made a short video about it a couple of weeks ago. So if you go to my YouTube channel, um, look up the uh, uh, urban survival tactics disguises. Now, the chameleon strategy is to fit in with the background environment. So the gray man is good, but the gray man usually is aimed at you know, trying to escape prison. But the chameleon strategy requires you to have um, a little bit of acting chops. You have to be able to act a little bit. So I, in, in my, my video, I described that I have, um, I have two major disguises that I use all the time. One is the, uh, the homeless disguise. I have, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of bicycling. I'm a Dutchman. We were born riding a bicycle. <clears throat> I have bicycled all through the many cities there in the United States and quite a few times, you know, you're bicycling through LA and suddenly you go, whoa, 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 where am I now? <laughs> yeah. Whoops, <laughs> <laughs> I took a wrong turn. How the hell do I get out of here as fast as I can? But what saved me in those conditions is that I looked like a homeless person. You know, and it's very simple disguise. You can get that disguise at any Goodwill or Salvation Army. Uh, you know, the most dirty 
chopped up jeans you have, you know, a, a dirty overcoat that's two sizes too big for you, you know, uh, a black uh, knit cap over you. And uh, so what saved me quite often is that I did look like a homeless person. If I was, you know, and you know, in California there, we got these bicycle guys, they, they ride like a $15,000 carbon fiber bicycle. I, I can't believe spending $15,000 on a bicycle. I think that's a, get a motorcycle, you know. And then they wear their their um, their uh, what do you call it latex nylon bicycle outfit, you know, usually you know, high gloss blue or something like that, you know. Uh, yeah, good luck dry, or bicycling through South Central or, or Long Beach or something like that or Oakland, California, wearing that outfit and riding a fifteen thousand dollar bicycle. So I've only ever owned uh, you know a huffy. <laughs> $100 Huffy that I got from uh, the big five store, you know, and um, I dress like a homeless person. So that is one disguise I use. And I find it it's quite useful for many situations because, listen, people just leave you alone. If it looks like you have no power and no money, you're not worth robbing, you're not worth becoming friends with so that they can use you. But on the reverse scale of that costume, I have what I call Joe Country Club, and that is my black double-breasted brass button jacket with a with a crest, you know, and my my tan slacks. I, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I sent you a picture. So you know, doesn't doesn't that do the opposite though? The homeless doesn't it attract attention to you? Depends on where you are. So the chameleon strategy is to blend in with the environment. So mm -hmm. I, in my video, I said. You know, I can uh, I can wear my Joe Country Club outfit and go to a hotel, or go to a government office, or go to a police station, or go into a store or a restaurant, and oh my my God, people are just lining up to kiss my butt. It's really quite amazing, you know, because I slick back the hair. I look like uh, you know, uh, you know, a wealthy senior person. You know, I have my white shirt, my my dark blue tie, my you know, I look. I look like a businessman. I look like I said, Joe Country Club. And when you have to interact in that environment, um, you want to have the least amount of problems possible. And I'm telling you, I, I've I've tried this many times. But when I wear that outfit and I go to a government office, I get what I want. I get service. People, Bruce, people are you know, Johnny on the spot, and um, they're always willing to make. You know, if, if, if I complain about something, well, they're very sorry and they're going to make it up to me. And I say in that video, I could probably leave that restaurant or leave that hotel, come back an hour later wearing my Joe Homeless outfit, and they wouldn't recognize me. You know, because the thing with disguise is people recognize you by what you wear. This facial recognition, yes, human beings are... Uh, famous for being able to recognize faces but only if you're up close and only if you've known that person for a long time most of the time you don't recognize people by their face but by their overall image through their clothing and the size of their body so so long as you change clothing you are a completely different person um, so the two disguises I like to use is like I said uh, Joe Country Club and Joe Homeless 
if I'm just going to travel through the city and I'm going through areas that might be shady, might be dangerous, or if I have to travel to, uh, you know, like a food bank or something like that, uh, well, I'm not going to wear my, my, my suit and tie to the food bank because I'm not going to get any respect there. But if I look homeless, you know, I'll get a lot more respect at the food bank. And conversely, if I'm going to the bank to take out my money or try to take out my money, then uh, yeah, I'm better off wearing the suit and tie. So those are two disguises I use to get around and fit in and get my way. Right Now, there's a couple of other disguises that I, ha I haven't revealed in the video, but I'm going to reveal to your listeners today. My other disguise is first responder search and rescue. Wow. Now, I've had, yeah. Now, I've, had, uh, I've worked for uh, a number of years for St. John Ambulance, which is a commonwealth, and the commonwealth means England, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and even Hong Kong, or it used to be in Hong Kong. And um, the St. John Ambulance is similar to the Red Cross. They're a little bit different. They wear black uniforms, and they're set up as brigades. They're a little bit more militarily structured, but it was it's a volunteer ambulance service. You know, if there's a national disaster or if people are missing, they'll call the St. John Ambulance. We have our own ambulances and our own medical equipment, and these people volunteer their time to learn medical skills and to go out and help people during uh, during disasters and also during big events. You know, if there's like a a big march or, or a demonstration you'll see St. John ambulance there in case somebody gets heat stroke or they fall down or they have a heart attack there'll be people there that can take care of them so I worked for them for a number of years and I helped organize some of these uh, disaster simulation drills where um, you know we'd schedule it Saturday afternoon 2 to 4 and then we'd take a downtown section of the town and there'd be, you know, 50, 100 volunteers. Half of them will be victims, and we'll, you know, we'll dress them all up with injuries, and I mean, realistic-looking injuries, you know, Hollywood makeup kind of stuff, you know, embedded objects and, and disembowelment and burns and cuts. And then we'll have the other 50 people that are the volunteers working with ambulance and fire department come into the area you know, secure the area first. That's always the first thing to do is make sure it's safe. You know, you don't go running into a disaster scene if there's something there that can hurt you and your fellow rescuers. So you first check out the area, make sure it's safe. Then you do your triage, right? You take uh, the most serious cases first. You got to go through all the patients. Make sure, you know, and usually people that have stopped breathing and, and severe bleeding, things like that. So you need to do CPR, mouth to mouth, you know, and, and uh, pressure bandages, things like that. So I organized a lot of those. So I know the lingo. Now, I really recommend everyone listening, go take a first aid course from, from Red Cross. It's only, uh, you know, there's a couple of versions. One is just a, an evening, four hours in the evening, you know. And there's another version that's, I think, like uh, a weekend course, you know, Saturday and Sunday for like six hours each. Get a first aid course, folks, you know. Uh, I, I'm surprised they don't teach that in, you know, all the nonsense they teach in public school. Couldn't you teach these kids first aid? Yeah, I hear you. Well, no. I've done what you've said many times. Exactly. And those are life-saving skills. You are a valuable member of society if you can save somebody. Uh, with your skills and your knowledge 
So take one of those courses, and now you've got a little bit of an idea. Now what I've done is I bought a bright red nylon jacket, you know, the kind that, you know, like the FBI use, and they have FBI on the back, or, or uh, fire departments use, right? Then I went online, I downloaded, <clears throat> I searched for search and rescue crests, downloaded the image, I printed it out on an iron-on um, sheet. You know, you can buy them from every every computer store, right? I Make your own T-shirts, right? I printed it out and I ironed it on the red jacket. Now I've got a red, bright red jacket that says "Search and Rescue" on it. I've also got a pretty good first aid kit. I've got a portable. Excuse me. Do you hear that? I think it's gone now. We have overtalk. No, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Listen, I was interviewing, uh, gosh, was, I forget who it was now, but we had this massive fuzzy sound. Oh, I just love it when they interfere in my broadcast. Oh, they've been messing with us, Dave. Oh, gosh, almighty. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, no uh, problem. I, I, I'm glad it only came through on my end. I, I thought it was coming through uh, uh, globally, but you couldn't hear it? No. Okay, no, good. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but... So we were going to the next one. Okay, so anyway, so I've put together what's, uh, and what I put on it is volunteer citizen search and rescue. So you are not, you don't need to show any ID or anything like that. So I got the red jacket, uh, I got um, a, a bright yellow safety helmet or a bright red safety helmet, you know, the construction style helmets. I, I put a, a headlamp on it, I put on the jacket, I got my first aid kit, I got my portable ham radio that I've, wear in, 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 a, in a pouch on my hip and um, I can con my way through police spot checks, through roadblocks um, and when I'm walking around during a disaster area people are, are not going to question me because I look like I belong there. Again, it's like the chameleon strategy and we see now how they have locked down in Australia, they're locking down the borders. <clears throat> now imagine that, you know, at any moment, any one of these lunatic governors or mayors could say, "Oh, we got to lock down the city. Nobody can come in or out for a month." And you happen to be at the grocery store, and you got to get back to the wife and kids. Oh, but they've locked it down. Now I could pull out my search and rescue outfit, go to the, you know, the borderline there and say, uh, you know, and of course you wear your stupid mask. And I could say, listen, uh, we've been called out, there's uh, children missing, in, uh, and we're, we're, we're setting up a search and rescue rally point and I need to attend. If I can't get through the first spot check, I can get through the second or another one. Keep trying, you can get through it, you know. They can't arrest you, you're not doing anything illegal, but so long as you have the other, the other thing with these, like I said, you need a bit of acting chops to pull these things off. But the other thing is, act like you own the world. You know, act with uh, with confidence and strength. And you tell the 25-year-old police cadet to stand down. You've got to go through. Their lives are at stake. Right? Use the same strategy that they use. You know, they're locking us down and say, oh. Saving lives, saving lives. Well, we turned that on them too. So that's another costume that I have. Do you, do you um, make uh, business cards or a, a plastic ID? I've got plastic ID. Yeah. 
I've got plastic ID. We're going to talk also, off here. <laughs> We're going to definitely talk. No, but what I've done is I've made it up myself. I just print it out on the computer, and then I go and get it laminated. You see, people don't really look at things. They're not really going to look at things, you know. What I have is a, a headshot that I use, and then you could probably put anything on that card, you know. Um, Chief uh, uh, Bikini Inspector, you know, it could be, it could be, they're not going to look at it, what they're going to see, and then also try and get some sort of a crest, people are always impressed with an insignia, you know, find a picture of, you know, an eagle, or, you know, or, or here in the British uh, Commonwealth, we have, the, you know, the lion, um, put some crest on there, your headshot, write whatever you want, nobody's going to check it. Because it's all, people are very, you know, they're not that perceptive. And that's why I'm talking about the disguises, too. You don't have to be right on, dead on with it. I could put, uh, you know, when I was in Ventura, my, and I still have it to this day, it's Ventura Citizen Search and Rescue. You know, the, the CVs, I call it. I've just made it up, you know, I just made it up. <clears throat> and even if I wore that here in Canada, even though it says Ventura, California on it, I guarantee you nobody's going to read Ventura, California. What they see is the, the big logo and the big crest, and they see search and rescue. That's all they Even if they see that much, they probably won't even notice that much. They just need to see a symbol on your chest, and uh, they'll buy it. I do that too. I, I have a bright red coat, and uh, on my left shoulder, I've got an instructor's patch. just says instructor on it, but it's black and gold. You know, it kind of looks like what police would have and I have my martial arts crest which is black and gold and red and it's a it's a dragon on a on a red shield well from five feet away it looks like just about any police insignia you'd want to imagine and I wear that in the car when I drive so that if a police car comes up to the passengers I mean the driver's side of the car decides to look at me and and in order to you know, whether or not he should pull me over and sniff me a new one, what he will see is a guy that looks like a fireman. <laughs> right? uh, you know, he can't read my crest, he can't, but it's the symbology, it's the red jacket, it's the crest. I also wear the same kind of uh, uh, hat that uh, that firemen and police here in Canada wear, you know, ones with the floppy down hat uh, ears, you know, that tie up at the top. Oh, I like the Russians, you know. And so when I wear that outfit, you know, from 10 feet away, you'd swear to God I was either a fireman or a policeman. And I don't say either. It's just a general image. Again, people won't notice details, and that includes police and, 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 uh, and, and military. They get an impression from you. And so long as you can manipulate the image by wearing certain items of clothing, you can, you know, project an image of authority, or you can project an image of homelessness, or you can project an image of wealth and power. It's just it's just on these little external things, and they're nothing is easy. So uh, <clears throat> that's my other outfit that I have, my other disguise. And like I said, I can pull it off because I, I know the lingo, you know. Well, that sounds really good. Um, what do you do with the shirt? I wish we had visuals we could show the people, but what do you do with the shirt? Do you put your name on it in some kind of symbol? Mm -mm. No? Um, you you could, do a patch. You could do a patch. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that's 
you could do is a, a pin, right? Like I got a whole bunch of St. John Ambulance pins, you know, lapel pin, you know, little brass pins, right? You could put, uh, listen, even if you just go get an American flag pin, you know, and put that on your shirt. It's an American flag, you know. <laughs> Again, it, it's not so much how specific, how realistic, you know. We see in the, you know, in the spy movies that, you know, they got to get all this fancy idea and it has to be. No, no, no. It's just a general image. You just need to bamboozle them for five minutes so that you can get through the neighborhood, get through the, the checkpoint, get through the, the, the stop check. Um, you know, you just need to bamboozle them for a couple of minutes until you can get through and away. And uh, people are on a surface comprehension level when it comes to that. So long as you look the part, and it's really important that you act the part. <clears throat> I'll give you an example of how I learned this. One time, I was just a young kid, and uh, the next door neighbor was the fire chief, local fire chief, and it was a really hot August afternoon. And he drove around the street, picked everybody up, all the kids up into his station wagon, and drove us to the park. We're all going to go swimming in the in the swimming hole. But there was this huge lineup. It was this was back in the 60s. It was just a two-lane blacktop, and it was this huge lineup. Uh, stop and go. Everybody's just stopped. And Poppy uh, said, "Oh, the hell with this." He pulled out. He drive drove all the way to the front of the line to the park entrance and what the problem was is some people were going through but some people were going into the park and the people that were going in the park had to wait to pay so Appy gets out Appy was his name he was a Dutchman and he pulls out his fireman's cap just the cap just the hat alone he was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt shorts and sandals but he pulls out the cap he gets out in the middle of the road so that everybody could see him and with his arm, he waves everybody over to the shoulder of the road. He points to the park, and then he waves everybody over to the shoulder of the road. Now, instantaneously, and I, you know, people were smarter back then than they are now, but everybody understood immediately what he meant. If you're going in the park, wait on the shoulder of the road and let the through traffic through. Well, within two minutes, 50 cars all pulled over to the side of the road, and then Appy pointed behind them and waved the hand to come forward. And the people that weren't going to the park all pulled around the people on the side of the road. And they all went through. And the entire traffic jam dissipated in five minutes. You know, this was in the days, Dave, when men took charge, you know. What men? <laughs> you know, I'm looking around. I don't see a lot of men today. I know. This, I'm going back to the 60s. But this was the kind of men, you know, I was inspired by, Dave. You know, my God. And... All they saw was a hat. You couldn't read the insignia, right? Like everybody was like 20, 30, 50 feet away. It said fire chief. You know, what did they know? They didn't see anything. No, you'd have to be within six feet to be able to read the insignia. But he had an official looking hat, not a uniform. He was still in that ridiculous Hawaiian, brightly colored Hawaiian shirt. But he had the confidence to step out in the middle of the road like he owned the place, like he was in charge. And then he waved his hand around like a boss. And everybody understood what he meant. They cooperated. The problem was solved. This is what men used to do in the old days, Dave. You know, They didn't all wait around for somebody to help them, get on the phone, dial the police. Oh, come and help us. No, they took care of it, you know. But the key that lesson that I took away from that experience was 
All she had was a hat. That's it. Everybody listened to him because he wore a hat. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you I need to write a book about this, seriously. And this could be the chapter you call the Mad Hatter. I mean, you have a chapter there on each one of these. It's fantastic. Well, I, I have a video on each one of these. This one is called um, Authority Signal uh, uh, Symbols. So it's again, it's um, if you search YouTube, it's called Urban Survival Tactics Authority Symbols because that's what these are. These are authority symbols, and if you know how to manipulate these symbols, and again, you gotta have, you gotta brazen it out there. If you know what I'm talking about. No, I do. Yep. You know, if you go out there and you're all limp-wristed and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> people don't believe you. They believe your body language. And I bet you, even if he didn't wear that hat, but he just stood out in the middle of the road like that and did the same thing, they would still obey him because they could read that he had confident posture. He was in charge. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, you've done a really good job here laying out the principles of going incognito, as, as I say. So let's let's talk about you now live in an area that's occupied, whether it's by civil war forces who've invaded your area or by the Chicoms, you know, some foreign invasion force. What advice would you give then? Well, there's another there's a strategy in my book, the thirty six strategies of ancient China. It's an ancient Chinese strategy. And it's called the tactic of injuring yourself. So one way to you use this strategy when again these are guerrilla strategies right this is not what you use when when you're in power this is what you use when you're up against insurmountable odds and one way to get the these forces to stop paying attention to you is to pretend that you're injured in some way now injury is symbolic or it could also be real and we can talk about both of those but by the doing so you no longer appear to be a threat, and that's the point of injury, or the tactic of injuring yourself. You, it's almost like the gray man, except mm -hmm. that you know you don't appear to be a threat because you're out of the game. Right? Now, one way to do that, and this is what I, I've, I've recommended, and I don't know, we might have talked about this before, but we're talking about it again. So let's say you're in a nice suburban neighborhood, and rule of law is gone now right and we already know that the the blm and the antifa and and the riots uh, they're eventually going to go out to the suburbs right they're, they're going to go out there because we've heard them even in the last few months you know they're screaming you know don't burn this down go out to the suburbs and burn them down you know and and we saw that case with that with that couple there and i believe it was uh, Lu was it louisiana st louis the, you're talking st. about the lawyer couple that confronted yes, the st. yeah exactly that was a mistake too. You never come out of your house. That was stupid. Oh, oh that was. Oh, those that was people were really dumb. And they're lawyers. Well, what else is new? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. That's all they know. That's all they know. But they're not really all that smart. Greedy and sneaky and, and underhanded. Yes, smart, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. So, and their gun handling was terrible. <laughs> oh my God! But you don't come out of the house like that. That was really ridiculous. You're painting a target on yourself. Well, it's like the woman was saying, here's my gun, take it and shoot me. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's, that's how I... That's, she I was mean, holding it like it was What you do things. is one person's downstairs, one person's upstairs, and the window comes up and the barrel comes out. If you're serious, mm -hmm. okay, then you're testing the meat of the people coming against you. That's right. But when they that's can see that you're not physically imposing and there's only two of you, they're lucky to be alive. 
Yeah. No, they are. But that's a good example of what could happen because they're in the gated neighborhood, right? Everybody thinks, oh, well, you know, I live in a gated neighborhood. Yeah, okay, I'm, you know, <laughs> I know gated neighborhoods. It keeps the There's Avon a... salesman out, and that's about it. Exactly, exactly. It, it keeps the door-to-door salesman and, and out. What you've got there is uh, one guy working for minimum wage who's probably unarmed. Most of these security guards at gated communities don't carry and uh, he's working for minimum wage and he's probably you know a recent immigrant or something like yeah, that all right so um that's your protection this guy uh, guess what he's not going to risk his life to save your property uh, you know uh, if it gets bad enough and then okay well they got the sliding gate yeah uh, but we've seen from these riots you know they get 20 people on that gate they pull the thing apart they tear it to pieces or if that doesn't work, they steal a car and they ram right through it. Or in the case there in St. Louis, they just broke through that gate physically. Just to yeah, I know. Hey, look, I've been through some of this training. In fact, actually, I used to be part of a dojo where we went out and did training. We didn't teach this, but this was taught to me. In that house they had that was a multi-story house, they should have had some supplies you instantly poured in, okay? And then you have a spout that it goes through so it doesn't get on you. And in that would be acid. And if people are coming through your door, it's life-threatening. So, you know what? I wouldn't get in a shootout if I was outnumbered. I'd acid the door. And that would at least cause them to back off. There's another thing you could do, too. And I don't know if you've heard of this. My, my good friend Terry Cook told, uh, told me, turned me on to this. There's rounds you can use in a shotgun that become flamethrower rounds on contact. Have you heard of those? Uh, dragon breath? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 incredible what people don't know. That's why yeah, people no, need to take survival and defense classes because they just they're their own worst enemy. And then the problem, Dave, is that a lot of the self-defense classes it's 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 okay, but it's really kind of rudimentary, you know. Um, I've always taught my students that if you find yourself in hand-to-hand combat, you've already made three mistakes, you know. You, you didn't spot the trouble and avoid it. You didn't spot the trouble and evade it, and you didn't escape it. You know, avoid, evade, and escape. Those are your three primary strategies. You do not want to be getting into a fight, whether it's a fist fight or a firefight, because by that, you know, now you are really risking your life. So before that happens, you've got to be observant, you know, read the terrain, read what's going on. You know, you hear a bunch of people marching down the streets uh, towards your house screaming Black Lives Matter. You're already in action, right? <laughs> so yeah. one tactic I would recommend for that couple there, and if this comes to you, and that is the strategy of injuring yourself. So I would recommend people get plywood, you know, get some four by eight sheets of plywood. It only has to be quarter inch thick. Have a, a portable, uh, you know, a, a portable drill handy with some, you know, three inch screws. And when this happens, I would put the plywood on the inside of the house, drill it in through over the windows then I'd smash the windows. Then I would take some cans of spray paint and just spray a bunch of crap all over the front mm-hmm. of the house. And I'd do one okay. more thing. I'd throw clothes out on the dresser drawer, out onto the front yard to make it look like your house has already been looted. Exactly. I was just going to get to that day. Yeah, all exactly. We've been trained by the same people. Well, listen, this is... You know, I always say to people, truth always is at the same spot. So, so long as you follow the truth, we all end up in the same place. I hear you. Hey, in the time left, 
Now, I think this has been great, and we've given people who had no idea some idea. So let's talk about the good work you do. You've written some books. You've referenced a couple of them here. Let's talk about how to follow your good work. Okay, so um, go to my website, chinastrategies.com. That's one word, chinastrategies.com. And everything is there, all my... You know, I got my art, my my nature videos. You know, like I, yeah. I'm all over the place with this stuff. But uh, my books are there. Probably the best book for right now is called The Art of Urban Survival. But even better than that, I offer a deal. It's a download. I have been, you know, since the beginning of the internet age, way back <laughs> in 1995, I have been collecting survival manuals, and uh, instruction manuals, and engineering manuals, and I have collected over 280 of these manuals and I offer them as a download as a free download if you buy my books in PDF so I've got five books I've got the art of urban survival <coughs> which is you know it's, it's just like a, a boy scout manual for uh, surviving whatever can go wrong in the city I got my book the way of the warrior which is very good for developing your strength your confidence your understanding of strategy and tactics um, how to train, how to do self-defense. I have the book, The 36 Strategies of Ancient China. It's a little bit cerebral, you know. Um, the Chinese stories are sometimes uh, uh, difficult to uh, remember all the names. I try to keep it to a minimum. But, listen, uh, this is this is a book that's been studied and, and translated into different languages right. all over the world because it adds value. You can learn about how sneaky and ruthless people, especially <laughs> the rulers, can get, right? No, not our rulers. No, our, they're, they're all saints. And I also have the booklet called uh, How to Master Secret Work, which is a communist training booklet printed by the Communist Party of South Africa. And it tells you how they do things secretly. It's a little bit outdated, but you have to adapt it. You know, uh, I still use a check route, you know, which is uh, where, you, where you follow somebody who's following you. Uh, you know, counter surveillance tactics. And so that's. So if you buy my books, you get 280 survival books. I've already um, categorized them under five categories. Books that deal with shelter, which is everything from how to build an igloo to how to repair the roof to how to you know, build a sod house. I've got uh, nutrition, which is everything about you know, farming, hydroponics, indoor uh, farming techniques, grows. That's great uh, stuff. Books. Yeah, That I is great on. stuff. So, so how do yeah. people get this now? Because we got about 30 seconds left. Okay, sorry, it's chinastrategies.com, and it's called The Survival Library, and it's over 280 books. This will give you the information wow. you need. That's incredible. I mean, first of all, this this hour went really, really fast. It's just really good, and it's stuff people need given the times that we're in. And I want to thank you for coming on. We've been speaking with Stefan Verstappen, and I would really encourage you to visit his website, take advantage of these great offers. And Stefan, we're going to do this again. This was interesting. Thank you, Dave. You Thank take you. Care. Take care.